You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Friday, and we're back in the Farm Bureau studios. This is the Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Mississippi State and Lipscomb getting ready for a three-game weekend set. I'm Charlie Winfield. He's Bart Gregory. Bart, a lot of days we're able to come in here and say that it looks nice outside. I don't think I can say that today. It's going to be cool. It's going to be ugly. Check local listings. Isn't that what they say? See how this – I'm not entirely sure this series is going to be played over three days. Yeah, I'm not either. Yeah, this is going to be one that uh, that Twitter is going to. You better stay close to Twitter, social media, the book of face. They we will tell you any kind of movements as far as game times. Yeah, you look at the weather, especially on Sunday. Now I think some of this stuff is going to get out of here early this morning. Of course, this is Friday morning, but yeah, it's not the it's not the gorgeous sunshine day. Could be a long day at the park tomorrow, and who knows? Get a win today up in Nashville, maybe. You'll be able to go to the game and keep an eye on your television or your personal device, whatever that may be, whether you have an iPhone. Maybe you'll be able to watch some basketball tomorrow too. Yeah, how about that yesterday? How about that win against Florida, 69-68, had to go to overtime. Now, you never want to play overtime in a tournament, especially on day one, but you don't care how long you had to stay there yesterday. You could have played eight overtimes. Yesterday was a game you needed. Do you realize that we could be one basket away from being in the NIT. Oh, I know. Meaning, if we don't come back, and, man, we try. I don't want to be negative here. We tried to give it away. <laughs> we tried hard I think you've got to give, give credit to Florida, who really, yeah. who really, they fought. They had a lot of fight in them that, uh, that they were talking about on the broadcast. Florida was fighting on the defensive end. Also, Joe Lenardi says that we're in now. I don't know if you caught that yesterday. And the term ghost screen, if I hear the term ghost screen one more time, I think I'm going to scream. Well, I – There's my negativity for the day. Yeah, Sorry. I had it tuned out. I – look, I, that was a big win. I wanted this team to get in the tournament. You feel like they're there now. Obviously, things can go wrong, but I don't think we're in the position of needing a win today from all reports. I think the question now – is whether you're in the – I still call them the play-in games. The NCAA doesn't endorse that interpretation. But the games in Dayton on Tuesday and Wednesday, basically, are you going to get stuck going up there? Or do you find yourself all the way to the weekend? So we went to Dayton in 2010 to play in the Sweet 16 in women's basketball. Have you ever been in that arena? I have not, not. Okay, and it, they've done a real nice job. It's an old arena that they've updated a good bit. And we played Florida State up there, got beat by three. And then UConn was playing. The winner got UConn, and that was when I had Maya Moore and that team. And we were like, hey, this may be the best thing because Florida State, who was really, really good, got beat by like 45 the next day. But the thing I remember about the arena in Dayton, and this is inconsequential stuff right here, is when you walk into the arena, it's down in a bowl. It's kind of like the pit out in New Mexico. Oh, yeah. And if you trip – if you were to trip when you start going down the tunnel, 
You would not. It's like going down the Nantawaya Mound. I'm telling you, nothing to arrest your fall. Nothing to arrest your fall. So when I think of Dayton, I think of just the apprehension and the anxiety that I had just walking to the court. I can, I can envision (laughs) that. Um, Hey, I did hear one last thing before we turn to our, our baseball. By the way, I heard one stat that I thought was really interesting. We talk all the time about, you know, the history of sport. Listening this morning, as I always do, to KCTK, KTCK, the ticket out of Dallas, I heard this stat. I thought this was interesting. They were talking about Pistol Pete Maravich. And there is – you remember last year Detroit Mercy came in? Yep. And the coach's son, had he scored enough points in their last ball game, he didn't get there, he would have had the all-time scoring record in college basketball. The issue, though, is he's played it in significantly more games, and there's some concern that the NIT might let them in now just to help him get a scoring record. Wow. Well, Pistol Pete Maravich would be the guy that he would beat. Pistol Pete, keep in mind back then, freshman didn't play. I thought this was interesting. He set the scoring record in 83 games. With no three-point line. And if we were to go back over the past three years and take the 83 highest scoring games, so pull up the stats, say what are the highest 83 scoring performances, it would fall 200 points short of what Pistol Pete did in his career. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So that's another thing to watch out. See if Detroit Mercy gets in because we have an asterisk alert. But, hey, I'm going to go back real quick. We talked about it just a second ago. And I know this, this, this to me, was so big. Florida goes ahead with 11 seconds to go in the game, and we didn't panic. I thought Deshaun Davis didn't heave a, a crazy shot. He didn't try a 17-foot leaner. He drove to the bucket and got it to Tolu. And you get that bucket right there at the end. That was – and, hey, Tolu yesterday, 28 points, 12 rebounds. Thank you. I mean, that guy. How good's he been the man, past the last 10, month, 12 games? Oh, man, he's been really, really good. And so. You look at that 12-game run that we needed, and we needed every win that we got to be in the position we are. And so, it's good to see. Now, speaking of a team, before we do, I'll remind you, though, that we are in the Farm Bureau studios, as we are each and every time we broadcast. Sometimes those studios roam, but today we're in the home base getting ready for Lipscomb and Mississippi State in baseball. You and I have all three games this weekend. As we said, don't know that we'll play Sunday. Could be a doubleheader tomorrow. That hasn't been decided, at least to my knowledge. Bart, looking at this Lipscomb team, I don't want to oversell this. I don't want to be Bear Bryant talking about Navy as if they're, you know, the Army team of 1923 or something. This is a better baseball team, one, on the weekends than they are the midweek. So you look at their record and you say, well, they're 5-8 and eight overall. Yeah, they got a stack of midweek losses. And what do you see at a school like Lipscomb? Pitching depth becomes the issue. But here's what we know they've done on the weekend. They took two out of three from Notre Dame to open the weekend. They took two out of three from Illinois, Chicago. Not a bad baseball school. Curtis Granderson, right? Yep. Didn't he go there? And so what they've done is they've stacked some losses in the midweek. Say, okay, well, they got swept last weekend by Auburn, but they lose 7-3 to on Friday. They lose 12-11 on 
on Saturday, and they lose four to three in the ball game on Sunday. Here's a note on that Saturday game too. Auburn led that game seven to nothing after two innings. And Lipscomb comes back with three in the third, sixth in the fourth, add another in the eighth. This is going to be a tough weekend, and they've got good front-line pitching. Well, they have good front-line pitching, but what that Saturday game shows as well is they have some real arms out of their bullpen, and they've got a lot of left-handed you know, arms out of their bullpen. You know, starter Duncan Berger, that's who we'll see tonight. You know, he's a, he's a left-handed guy, and, hey, what have we had trouble hitting? We talked about this yesterday. We're hitting 215 as a team against left-handed pitching. He's an 85 to 89 guy. He's not overpowering. Here's what I've been told, and here's, you know, we watched some film. You and I have both watched some film on the, this, this series with Auburn and Lipscomb last week. The guys are trotting out of the pen. Not only are they throwing 93 with gas from the left side, but, man, they've got heavy fastballs. they got movement with fastballs. Van Treek is up to 95 left-handed coming out of the pen. It's a heavy fastball, downward action. He's got a good hard slider. That's the thing that Lipskin can give you is because they are really, really good in their front-line pitching. Dunkelberger, Smith has been okay. He's a right-handed guy throwing 92. Braden Tucker, 94. He's your Sunday guy. You can see Alex Brewer, Cantola on the back end. I mean, these guys, 95, 93, 92. I mean, it is real stuff. But isn't that good? It could be, yes, because that's what we see every day. Because yeah, it seems to me one of the worst things for us is 88. Oh, no doubt. 87. So – I don't want to oversell this. I mean, we're not playing the, you know, we're not playing the Yankees. We're not playing the Dodgers here. But this will be a competitive weekend. And I want to say this, Mark. If I had to pick, if you put the, the spectrum in front of me and said all the way, get swept, win one, win two, sweep, I think, I think the most likely, the best bet on the roulette wheel is that you lose one this weekend. I'm not suggesting I want to, but I'm saying this is a team that's perfectly capable of coming in here and taking a game, and if we're not careful, cap- taking two. And if we sweep this weekend, we ought to feel good about it. You ought to feel extremely good about it if you win two out of three. And you asked me last week. Whoa, on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Extremely good if you win two out of three? I do. I think, I think No, you, no, 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 no. I think Come you're going to feel really it's good. It's not an SEC team. You can't. It's, it's I mean, not. We, we can't, like, hang a banner. You're going to fly the dogs win again flag out there or something? I mean, what are you doing here? <laughs> I thought it was dogs fitting to eat. I would say I would feel okay with two out of three. Yeah, I mean. I'd feel extremely good with a sweep. I would feel I would feel okay. I'd feel good. I mean, I'm glass half full. You know, we got guy. Jake Mangum out there putting on videos, talking about how great the season's going to be. We can have Bart. We can do one of you. Just, <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, we'll feel really good if we only lose one. I, I think that I'm that's I'm kind of in the mindset this weekend because I'm telling you, Charlie, looking at those games, Auburn was very, very fortunate to win two of those games. Now, where is Auburn? I so mean, that's the next question, though, is – I think they're a little like us. You know? I think they're very close to us. And so, I don't know. I'm going to say I'm going to feel positive. Positive. Okay, about I can feel positive, but not extremely positive. I feel right? positive about two out of three. I'll be two thirds full. Are you? 
I'll be one third empty. Hey, it could. Ha- I mean, I'm not. This is not a knock at us at all. This is a weekend when you've got really good pitching, really good pitching early in the year. Anything can happen. I think the mistake, in all seriousness, I think the mistake to be made though would be to look at this team and look at their overall record and think we're and just going to walk because the game of baseball is so different depending on who's on the mound and on the weekend. They've been pretty good. They have. All right, Bart, we've talked a little bit about it. Let's talk about our pitching matchups brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing. If you're coming to the ball game, you've got a spot out in the outfield. Jalapeno cheddar is my choice. The three cheese, I'm a big fan. Bart gets a little more exotic. He'll get some of the alligator and that kind of thing. I like to keep it to the basics, but I had a chance the other day, Bart, somebody mentioned to me that the highlight of going to a game, so they came to a game in the midweek, the Tuesday game, and said they ate two sausage dogs, the country-pleasing sausage dogs. He called that the highlight of his game. Well, it is. I mean, used to when we were kids growing up, the old Brian Juicy hot dogs. You know, you came to a ball game, you got the big old hot dogs. To me now, we have kind of morphed into a fan base where that's one of those destination things to eat when you come to the ballpark. It's the country-pleasing dog. It's that sausage dog. And, I, hey, the crawfish to me this is awesome. But, I, I mean, I just like the old original juniors. I put those in some kolaches every now and then in the morning. Not right now since we're in our weight loss challenge, thanks to our good friends at Hotworks. But country pleasing, we've got a stack of it always in our fridge at the house. Yeah, half of it, which was intended to come <laughs> to me. Now, all right, so let's talk about pitching matchups this weekend. Mississippi State. TBA in the middle. Drangelo on Friday. Gartman will be the guy on Sunday or the functional equivalent thereof. But you got a TBA in the middle. How do you decipher that? What I deciphered is, is you know, Eintema drew the start last week, left-hander. That was his first career start. You're trying to figure out. You, you know who you got on the back end, and that's Gartman. He is a really good Sunday guy. I think you're going to settle in on Gerangelo in that game one start. I'm telling you, just by seeing us stretch him out a little bit, I would not be surprised. And I don't know this. I don't have insider information. But just the way that he pitched, do you do you start Dome? Do you start Dome or do you leave him in the bullpen? I think that's the million-dollar question right now. Ed, does it depend? Does it depend on what happens in the ball game tonight? I think so. I think is that why you see it? Yeah, if 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 you're in a one run game and they got the bases loaded in the sixth inning, seventh inning tonight, you may see Dome on that back end, just because you want to get game one. But if that doesn't happen, you know, hey, then too is if it if it happens, you get him up and get him hot. You got to go ahead and throw him, because it's one thing for a guy to come in and pitch; it's another thing for him to get hot in the bullpen. Well, there's only so many times you can get him hot. That's right. Right, and sit him back down. So, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know where you go. I don't know the status on Cade Smith right now. So, I don't know where he would be in terms of being able to pitch. Don't know where Stanette is. Don't necessarily expect to see them, but. Casey Hunt? Yeah, I mean, we just don't know, right? Right, just don't know. I think you throw Cade Smith, Parker Stanette, Casey Hunt all in the kind of the same bag right now, just not knowing you know, if, if they're ready to pitch. Yeah, and so that's a look at our guys. We know who they are. You know who Durangelo is. Now, 
do you extend Gerangelo out a little bit more tonight? I mean, obviously it depends on how he pitches, but we haven't seen him go more than four innings yet. Yeah, um, I mean, that's uh, – you know, last week he, he ran up some, some numbers. Now, as far as pitch count, I think a lot of it, as crazy as it sounds, I think a lot of it may be determined upon how tight the zone is tonight. Last week it seemed like it opened up a little bit. Am I wrong for saying that? I no, thought, it definitely did. I thought it loosened up last weekend. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who we have behind the plate tonight, but, you know, how loose is that? You get that ball outside. I think that's going to determine a lot about how deep and how many pitches you throw. It's kind of bad that we're talking about, you know, umpiring and how that kind of a, could affect the game. But I'm really interested to see if they're telling these umpires to dial it back just a little bit because baseball, and just not just here, but around the country, everybody's talking about it, how it's, you know, you do everything to speed up the game, but it's coming to grinding halts because nobody can throw strikes into the strike zone. It is odd, isn't it, that with all the talk of speeding up the game, we're going to a strike zone as tight as the one we've seen and an evaluation. And, and what some of the coaches, I've talked to about four different coaches about it, and what they tell me is it's not the strike zone that's changed. It's the metric by which the umpires are evaluated, meaning there is a lot of times when you evaluate ball strike calls, you give the umpires in the old sense, basically a ball either way, meaning instead of judging it by the center of the ball, the idea is we're going to give you, if any part of the ball touches the zone, we're going to give you some leeway there. It's that leeway that's been taken away. It is, and two, something's got to be up with the balls. Somebody tweeted about this the other day. and you, I think it was Kendall Rogers uh, when he wasn't talking about somebody being mad at him. But anyway... They were just talking about the baseballs and about how the baseballs may have changed and the baseballs may be hot. And you see it, you're see you seeing these monster tape measure home runs each and every game. The exit velocity is at, at 117 and 118 and 460 feet with home runs. And so the balls are hot. The balls are hot. So let me ask you this question, and I hate to bring this up. What's going to happen the first time a line drive goes off a kid's face? Are we going to dial the balls back then? I'm, I'm just saying, if we've got the balls hot, you got to start thinking about player safety here. And well, who, I, mean, I don't know that the NCAA made a conscious decision to say, let's make the balls hot. I mean, we see this periodically in the major leagues, right? Yeah. But I'm just I'm – just, I mean, who makes the decisions about how the balls are made? Some guy on a, on a factory line somewhere? I don't know. Somebody <laughs> just, you know. Inflation's up. You know, maybe just – a little angst. Don't put as much cork in there. You know, just winding it a little tight. I don't know. That's I'll have to do some research on that. But in any event, that's a look at our starters. Starters for Lipscomb this weekend. Tonight we're going to see a guy, left-hander, Michael Dunkelberger. He is a junior college product. Fastball, change-up, slider, curveball. He, he's a four-pitch guy, and he'll use them depending on whether he's facing righties or lefties. He's a guy that gets ahead early in the count. When he does, you're going to see a see music change up some. You think Bradley Lofton, who's used change up. Uh, one thing about Dunkelberger is counts will get up. His pitch counts will get up. And so, do you play to that? Do you work the counts a little bit? Or are we up there free swinging early? Because he's a guy who likes to use his fastball early. 
Yeah, so – And his fastball is not great. It's not. And what you just said a minute ago, he gets deep into a lot of counts, but he likes to get ahead early with that fastball. So it's almost like you have the approach at the plate of, I may go up here early hunting something good. And you're aggressive early in your at-bat, but very patient late in your at-bat. And you see guys – you know, Jake Mangum at times was good. Adam Frazier was fantastic at that. That, you know, if, if he may get a hold of you the first two pitches – but after those first two pitches, he may work you a little bit. And so I think that's kind of the approach you've got to have. And, hey, you know, I was sharing these videos to you last night, Charlie, on via the text, but you never did reply to me. That's okay. But it was interesting to hear. I was watching a, a little video about Tanner Allen and also Chipper Jones talking about using the middle of the field. And we've talked about this so much on our broadcast. We've talked about it so much on here about – if you try to yank a ball out of the yard on a fastball right down the pipe, you may hit it square three out of ten times. If you try to knock it you know, the center field wall down on a fastball, let it get deeper to you, you're probably going to square it up seven to eight times on a BP fastball. And so, man, I just, I just hope our guys use the approach of the middle of the field. I thought our approach was a lot better on Tuesday night. I may be wrong on saying that. Valpo just may not have been very good. But Dunkelberger tonight – is a serviceable fastball that doesn't have just a ton of movement, even though he is a lefty. And then you're going to see right-handers, and I keep saying the next two days, next two games. And, again, we don't know anything, but I can look at a map, look at a weather forecast, and I know our history here. We're, we're going to get all three games in, even if we have to start tomorrow morning. Um, Ethan Smith will start game two. He is a right-hander, can hit 92. And then – Game three, Braden Tucker. Tucker is a transfer from Indiana, a guy that touches 94. And here's the thing about Tucker. Tucker's outings have all been competitive. If you go game by game, six innings against Notre Dame, two earned runs. Illinois-Chicago went five innings, allowed three earned runs. Against Auburn, this was the ball game that they lose 4-3 on Sunday. Seven innings, one earned run. Here's the other thing. In 18 innings of pitching, he's walked only six. Not a big strikeout, guys. Only struck out 13. What do you see from all this? He's not hitting anybody either, by the way. You see a guy who is going to compete in the strike zone. Well, and he's also a guy, too, that's one of the first guys you'll see this weekend that has a cutter. And what you mean is just a cut fastball. You put more emphasis on that, uh, more pressure with that middle finger. And then you do on that uh, the index finger. And so he mixes all four of those pitches. Well, we're talking about Braden Tucker, game three starter, but he throws a cutter. I had somebody ask me this question the other day about how, you know, you guys on a broadcast know whether what pitch is being thrown. You know, how do you know on, on a game? Of course, you know, we're watching on video, and you can see the spin a lot of times, the depth, and that will tell you the difference. But if you look at velo, if you're looking at the board, and you see a guy that comes out and he's throwing 94 Okay, you know that's a fastball. I mean, nobody throws a cutter or a curveball at 94. 94 is the fastball. Not at this level. No. 94 is a fastball. If you see 84, typically that means a changeup. If you see 84 with bite, that means it's a slider. If you see 89 with a little bit of bite to it, that means it's a cutter. And so a curveball is usually, you know, 15 miles per hour, 17 miles per hour off from the fastball. So that's kind of how we tell. 
it's all based on velo, and you can tell all that from the video board. So that's just kind of insider info. Well, some people are harder to tell, though. You take Gartman, whose slider looks more like a cutter in the sense Gartman's going to throw a slider and a curveball. The curveball's got a lot more depth to it. The slider has almost none. And you say, well, a lot of guys, you want to see some depth to the slider, I meaning you want to see some downward action. Why doesn't he want it? Because he's got enough downward action from his curveball. He doesn't want two pitches to looking, look alike. Looking the same. Yeah, and so it's just different ways of getting up there. The other thing, I was listening to David Cohn. David Cohn, by the way, one of the best analysts in Major League Baseball. And he, somebody was asking, you know, how do you know the difference between a slider and a, a curveball? He said, well, some guys, it's just whatever they call it. He said, if you, you know, he said that's why he almost now just says breaking pitch. Yeah. Because from guy to guy, some of them are throwing a slider called a curveball, vice versa. He said they just, it kind of gets in their head what they call it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's, uh, it's some some of that slur. What do you call the old washing machine curveball? Oh yeah, the the slurve. Yeah. <laughs> so, in any event, that's a look at our starting pitchers. Brought to you by Country Pleasing. Now it's time for a look at our two guys that can smoke you. Brought to our friends. Brought to you by our friends, rather down at Two Brothers, right here in the Cotton District. Two Brothers. I'm a taco guy. Big fan of the pulled pork, the chicken tacos. Bart is a guy that can do to a set of wings what Tracks Plus can do to a forest. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in that. You know, I, I talk about it all the time, about we used to do those videos, and I, I did an interview with Zach Arnett and Tony Hughes at Two Brothers for the website last year with the assistant coaches, and they got me eating those wings, and my daughters just wore me out about Dad. I mean, you were just chomping those things like it was the last meal you're ever going to have. And I was like, yeah, that's what I kind of what I do. That's why I sit in the corner with my back to with my back, back to the door. I'm anti-mafia. What do they say? Never sit with your back to the door. That's right. But I sit with my back to the door so nobody can watch me eat wings. No, it's our two friends, two brothers. They have the smoked meats. We've got the two guys that can smoke you. Bart, looking at this team, it's the pitching that scares me more than the offense. Am I wrong? Yeah, to me, that's that's all of it. I mean, I looked up and down their lineup, and their lineup is is a little bit of vegetable lasagna, a uh, little bit of cold vegetable lasagna, to be honest with you, where you didn't warm it up enough in the microwave. Um, pitching is where it's at with this team. I mean, there's only two guys hitting above 300 on this team, so I'm going to let you pick first. I'm guessing you're going to pick one of them. Well, I'm going to go, and I, we've talked about uh, you know, Smith, the game two starter, Dunkelberger, who we'll see tonight, Tucker, Brewer. To me, it's the, it's the bullpen. I mean, these guys with Cantola in the bullpen, the right-hander, he's a closer. Oh, so you're going pitching for a guy that can smoke you. I'm going pitching with a guy that can smoke you. All right. I mean, here's a guy that uh, you don't want to have a deficit going to the seventh inning. And to me, the guys that can smoke you and pretty much kill you are the guys at the back end of their pitching staff. Cantola's outstanding. Whitsky's outstanding. Those you know, those guys are throwing mid-90s. Nobody's hitting them all year long, not even Notre Dame. And so, to me, I'm saying Cantola on the back end, that's a guy that can smoke you in two days on the weekend. If he, he could close tonight, Maybe come back tomorrow, but uh, to me, that's the back-end guy, Caleb Cantola, number 49. Hey, you know a guy we haven't mentioned? I'm not picking him as one of my two brothers. No, you know what? I am. I am going to pick, even though his numbers aren't as good as some others, I'm going to pick Austin Kelly 
Really? The catcher. The redshirt sophomore out of Leland, Mississippi, that once was a roster member here at Mississippi State. Now, so far, he's hitting just 220. He was hitting cleanup last Sunday. He's allowed six stolen bases, hasn't caught anybody. But here's this is like the most Mississippi State pick ever for a guy that can smoke you. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to be the rat. Yes. That's my thing. Is Austin Kelly come in here, leave pimping about four home runs, you know, waving to the crowd, blowing kisses, rocking the baby at second after doubles. Can Austin Kelly in his return to Duty Noble Field, will he be the guy that smokes us? Well, he's played here before. He won't be intimidated. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going with the red shirt sophomore out of Leland, Mississippi. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Austin Kelly. I forgot he was at uh, at Lipscomb. And here's the thing about it. One thing about Kelly, okay, Kelly can hit with some power, and he is going to look fastball early. He, if he gets a fastball first two pitches, he's, he's swinging hard. Might want to go off speed early against him, so we'll see. But that's my two brothers, guy who can smoke you. All right, Bart, so anything we need to cover before we uh, call it a day? You know what Austin Kelly's going to do? He's just going to wait till he hears that guy that's in front of the booth say, throw strikes, and he knows that we're going to throw strikes, and that's what he's waiting that's on. When he's, that's when he's going to his cue. He's going to gear up because our guys listen to that one guy. No, um, I go back to the point. I'm going to feel I'm going to feel okay. I'm going to be positive if we win two out of three this weekend. No, I think your term was like extremely great, peppy, and something else winning two out of three. Well, I, I'm just – I'm looking. all in. In for a penny, in for a pound. I want to sweep. You want to sweep this weekend. Okay. So, you sweep I won't this be surprised if we don't, but I want one. Yeah, I want to sweep, Then too. I will not be happy with less. This team needs wins. And this team needs to start amassing wins. Okay, and, and here's – I'm about to make something profound. I'm going to make a profound statement right here. I don't think we're as bad as we think. I really don't. No, I agree with that. I, I don't think – I mean, I think you, you, you have the overreaction of losing you know, against VMI, against Louisiana Monroe, the way you got beaten against Arizona State. Last week was 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 difficult as well. But I don't think, just looking at it, I mean, I think our lineup is going to hit. I think our pitching is about to shore some things up. And I think we're about to clean up some of these errors. I really do. I think we're I – mean, this is not glass half full here. But I think I think we're a better ball club than we're playing right now. It will be interesting to see who gets the start at third. I thought it was interesting. I had somebody, as we were leaving the game on Tuesday, say, well, we, you know, we played it clean at third. Well, nothing was hit to third. So, <laughs> and Mershon's never played third in his life, I don't think. Yeah, so we don't know. And so you don't know. It wouldn't shock me at all if this is a weekend, too, that the lineups get mixed and matched a lot as we start to have to make some decisions because we got to start making them. Next week is conference baseball. So in any event, uh, Bart, 6 o'clock tonight, uh, be shocked if we don't play two tomorrow. Yeah. But that is a look at these two teams. Hey, thanks to our friends at Bank First, Tracks Plus, always bringing you our deep dig. Thanks to Country Pleasing, Farm Bureau, and our good friends at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Yeah, I went down to Tracks Plus the other day. Man, and Tracks Plus just continues to grow. They've got even more equipment out there on the, on the lot uh, down in Hickory right now. But also getting in the – 
rental business as well. That rental business with equipment, with heavy machinery, is a big deal, especially for, for these dirt-moving contractors. And so, man, TracksPlus.com, they are just rocking and rolling down there right now with those Saney excavators and mini excavators, the bandits and the Barco equipment. Man, just uh, it's just a grow. It's pretty cool to see something that started out as a small company, a small shop, and what it's turned into today. So Chris Williams and that bunch, man, they, they continue to do it well. Hey, one other thing I wanted to mention earlier and, and forgot. We were talking about country pleasing. You know they have breakfast sausage now. Do they really? Yes, and they have classic mild, classic hot, and maple infused. Are you serious? Yeah, so pretty good way to wake up on a weekend. Man. All right, so that's a look at this weekend. Mississippi State Lipscomb will be back on Sunday for better, for worse, to celebrate a couple, maybe three wins. Till then, you've been listening to the Tracks Plus Deep Game.